What's going on, everyone? You're listening to another episode of the Brazos Sports Preps Cast. I'm Alex Miller, joined always by Abigail Ochoa, our favorite high school sports reporter here at the Eagle. Abigail, we got some big games this week. There's only four teams left in the playoffs here in the Brazos Valley. Yeah, yeah no, it's exciting. I, it, to have four teams at this point, I think, is really exciting. I don't know how many had we had this year, uh, uh, last year, um, this point but um so exciting we get to head to waco this weekend uh which is which should be fun we've never been to the mclean stadium so um really excited to just kind of dig into everything yeah big show on tap today uh we've got we've got the clendenin scott and john coming on previewing number one versus number two denton ryan college station we've got our good friend doug pills coming on talking about Franklin and we've got some notes on Centerville and Burton but first this is probably the biggest news of the week let we'll we'll get into this here in a minute but Brian coach Ross Rogers announcing his retirement hall of fame coach here's our conversation with the Eagles sports editor Robert Cessna on Ross's decision to to retire and some some good some good tales and stories about about uh, the hall of fame coach Joining us now on the Brazos Sports Prepscast is the Eagle Sports Editor, Robert Cessna. Big news of the week, of course, is Brian Head Coach Ross Rogers announcing his retirement at a press conference Tuesday afternoon. He had been coach at Brian for 10 seasons, was 49 and 58, I think is my math correct, at Brian and led the Vikings to four playoff appearances. He had coached for 36 years and has a pretty impressive resume uh, inducted into the Texas High School Coaches Hall of Fame in 2011. And uh, of course, Coach Rogers rose to stardom thanks to his run at AM Consolidated back in the 1990s and led the Tigers to their only state championship in 1991. Cease, thanks for coming on. You've known Ross for a really long time. You were there uh, Tuesday afternoon. You know, can you just kind of take us through what, what the day was like there? Obviously, uh, it was supposed to be a press conference, but it really turned into like a mini reception because word got out and a lot of some of his his, uh, former coaches, current coaches, even Lee Fedora came over, consolidated. Uh, David Campbell, who has been on the broadcast several times, worked at the Eagle, was there. So a lot of people, words out already when you consider how long Ross has spent in Brian College Station, along with the Brazos Valley, as he mentioned, you know, Waller, Hempstead, not that far away where he started out with, was it a year at Giddings? So uh, Ross Rogers has been an icon in around here for four, four decades. And when you stop and consider the impact he has on the state with the coaches that left him and went out and had success and are still having success, when you look at Tim Buchanan up at Aledo, Jason Herring at Refurio. And then, you know, once again is he's had such an impact on the state. And that really originated from his father, Gene Rogers, who was a clean. I can remember him playing Merrill Green and talking to Gene Rogers. And, uh, you know, Ross got a lot of his mannerisms and his ways from his father. So it's great to see that those dots connected and by him being at the Brazos Valley for that long, the community definitely benefited from his presence. Cease, you mentioned, you know, all the, the coaches and the, the community members that came out to, to see Ross kind of announce this. Is this 
really a testament, like you said, to, to how, how much he impacted this community in Bryan College Station, uh, not only in the area, but in football as well. Yeah, when you stop and consider every two years when the UIL has the biannual realignment, I used to always chuckle because people from all over the state would call Ross Rogers because they said, if you want to know what class you're going to be in, where you might go, call Ross Rogers because he had such insight because everyone would call and talk to Ross. Uh, not only was he an innovator when it came to running offenses in the high schools, he was one of the first guys to do onside kicks. Uh, do spread offenses, uh, do all this. But he also was in the know. He knew where the jobs were. He knew, you know, what coaches were in trouble. Ross Rogers was, to me, it was like Dear Ann Landers. If a coach had a problem, they would call Ross Rogers. They want to know something, they called Ross. Yeah, you know, Cease, when did you first meet Ross? And can you give us some some good stories or memories of him and in, in your time covering him? Yeah, it's, it's funny when I, when I talk to Ross, uh, he br brings this always up. And uh, I, 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 I've got the state. One of the first things I've done is, is do all state football teams. And it used to be when I first started, I did basically what was known as 3A back then. And then with, before too long, I was doing all classifications. I still do all classifications, even though basically I cover A&M. Love high school sports, love the high school coaches for what they do. But in, it was either 78 or 79, and I have to go back and look, and, and Ross was unclear of the date. But I get this call from this Waller coach, and I knew Waller's having some pretty good years. And he goes, hey, this is Ross Rogers, Waller. I understand you're the guy doing the All-State team. So I got some guys that you know, going to be All-State. What do I need to do? I said, well, contact your local writer. You know, he goes, hey, the Chronicle and the Post don't do anything for us. He said, you know, I'm on my own out here. And I said, okay go ahead and send me your, your, your nominations. I'll never forget. One of his players was a guy named Earl Whitfield and he was a great player and he went on to college and played somewhere. But at that time, you might say a friendship was started because when Ross had all state guys, those five, six years in Waller, he called me, uh, make sure they got on there. And so I said, Hey, this guy's an eager beaver. He wants to get his kids all state. When you think about that, then he gets to the Brazos Valley, and you can see firsthand what he did. When he got here, it was A&M consolidated because they would always lose, you know. And, and Ross Rogers changed that around. And I'll never forget Shereen, the great Shreen Williams, who you've seen her before on podcast, uh, Hall of Fame uh, NFL. And she was here at the Eagle, and she was covering uh, A&M consolidated. When Ross first got here, I'll think about that. Ross was being covered by Shereen Williams. And so I never forget it. There were two, seven and two that first year. And so like you guys know, she talked to Ross and she had to do a feature. So she called Lee Fedora. And what did Lee Fedora say as a player in, you know, Ross had put this kind of instilled this kind of thing. And uh, he said, we're going to, we're going to go state. We want to win state. Shereen hung up the phone and shook over to us. That guy said they're going to go to state. You know, it's like they're consolidated, you know, 271. But Ross Rogers, a la a Jim, a Jimbo Fisher, everyone changed the culture. They went from 271 to 14 and one. And Ross was that kind of guy. And I always chuckle. Uh, back then, we always think about it. Only two lo local high schools. So we always did something with Brian and Consolidated. Brian's, you know, just College Station. Consolidated was a stepchild. But new coach, so I got Ross Rogers and Merrill Green, 
the legendary Merle Green to be together at, you know, Viking Stadium, then pulling a rope, you know, like new guy in town, you know, what, what kind of stupid idea was that by Cessna? But anyway, I have a photographer out there. So, you know, Ross, you don't know him that well, except on phones and whatever. So we do it. And Ross looks at I was thinking, okay, we'll do this at my place next year. You know, you think, you know, you're fixing up a two, seven, one year, but he had that kind of, of attitude and his players had that kind of attitude. And uh, Ross, you know, he was on officials. He would braid officials, but he just fighting for every yard. I'm always indebted to him because you want behind the scenes when they went to the state championship in 1989, we pitched him and said, Hey, cause I was covering Brian. What about if we follow you on state championship day? So I was at his house that Saturday morning, stayed with him, rode the bus, was in all the meetings, went over Friday, talked to him before you think about this. This guy's going to go play for a state championship. He's talking to the local high school rider. He's so organized. He wants to plug his kids. He wants to plug his program. Great behind the scenes uh, deal. And Ross was the kind of guy that would call me and go, hey, Sesta, you, you're stupid. You're doing this, whatever. But, you know, that's the kind of relationship you want with somebody. Ross always wears emotions on his sleeve. And you saw today, 69 years old, the guy's up there crying. He cares. He cares. He, uh, he's always cared. Now, Steve, um, obviously, we know Ross took, uh, took a uh, retired uh, and then returned to, to Brian in 2012. Um, how do you think, if if at all, has he changed over the years, you know, after kind of coming back um, out of retirement that first time? Well, you know, you, you look at Ross, he still had the hunger. Uh, everybody's always said throughout all the years, I've, I've been living in this town 47 years, you know, Brian's a sleeping giant. Oh, it's, it's you know, you should win state there. The Curtis Dickies, the Gerald Carters, uh, Rod Bernstein's, James Flowers, I could go on and on. But, of course, everything's changed when they open up Rudder. Anytime you go from, you know, one school to two school, uh, things have changed. Uh, when you look at the numbers, Brian is a small 5A. They don't have the power they once did. When Ross got here, he was, like, what, third and fourth years, 10 and 2, 9 and 4. But they were in 5A. They were in the second second tier then. That's where they need to be. They're, they're, they're not going to win big at all in 6A with the numbers they have. It's it's a tough job. And even the great Ross Rogers, you know, he made the playoffs last two years, but what were they, six and three and four and five? And I mean, four and seven, that's about the best you could do with the talent. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll write a column eventually, but you know what they need? They need a young Ross Rogers. And it's not that Ross, Ross could still coach, but you reach a point, like he said today, his 102-year-old aunt told him, you, you know, eventually your shelf life, you got you to pass it on. You got to pass it on. And it was time for Ross to pass it on. I think he came to that realization, but he'll still be in the stands. And getting back to what you said, though, Ab Abigail, is uh, Brian's a tough job right now. Uh, I think, you know, he came in. If they'd have stayed 5A, I think, you know, once again, it's amazing what winning will do for you. But Brian is not winning right now. And you look around town this year. College Station had a much better year. Console would have still been playing, maybe if they didn't get the quarterback hurt. Rudder had a nice year. You think about that. So Brian was like low on the totem pole, and we all know it wasn't because of coaching. You can't win without talent and do, doing different things. But it, it's everything. It's time comes. You know, even Willie Mays uh, couldn't leg out a base hit. I don't care how old you are, Joe Namath. Uh, it's time to move on. But I always tell people is 
He was, Brian College Station was blessed. He was here for a couple of decades. Officials might not say the same thing, but, you know, we understand. Well, Cease, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with us and uh, give us a reminisce a little on, on the legacy and career of Ross Rogers. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's my pleasure. Cause like I said, that's part of me, that's part of you, whatever. And you know, th- those are the times and, you know, time keeps on marching. Now what we're talking about the, the coach fan and it, it, uh, it, uh, at Franklin, we're talking about Kyle Hardy, the, what, what he's instituted up at Centerville. There's always a great story out there. And right now, you guys are on the story. You guys will be where everybody wants to be Friday night. That's that's what you live for. I don't care if you're 27 or 67 or 77. College Station playing, uh, you know, Denton Ryan, it doesn't get any better than that. Or Franklin Centerville as well. What a weekend. Well, we've got plenty more to come on that. And up next, we've got the Clendidden crew coming on, talking about that Denton Ryan College Station showdown in Waco. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Brazos Sports Prepscast. Joining us now, it's the Clendidden crew. We've got Scott Clendidden, good friend of the show. And son John, first timer on the podcast. What's going on, guys? I'm uh, excited. Not- this is a big week for the Cougars, a week that uh, you know you you kind of expect, but you you know the anticipation has built and built and built as the season's gone along. And one versus two, I may think it's the other way around, like uh, the the computers think. But uh, this is this is a big week for Cougar football. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Just really excited to get down to McLean Stadium on Friday night. Premier venue in the state of Texas for high school football for the premier high school football game in round four of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, y'all said it. It's number one versus number two. Denton Ryan against College Station. They, they, they've, been, they've been number one and number two, respectively, all the way through. And, and this is the big one. Uh, Friday night at Baylor's McLean Stadium in Waco. This, of course, a rematch of last year's area playoff game, which Ryan really ran away with 52 to 21. Um, and, and, you know, you can debate which team's better, but they're going to get to settle it on the field Friday night. And really, I think the winner of this one, uh, they are the favorite to win 5A Division One. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you, you know, how have the playoffs been building up for this one for the Cougars? Well, I think that you you look at the last few years that you played, you know, uh, Highland Park, which was defending champion in one state. You played Frisco Lone Star, which was the number one team in the state. Uh, they were beat by Denton Ryan. Uh, then you have Denton Ryan, who's number one in defending state champion. It, the whole four years that College Station's been – in uh, region two has kind of played out like this. This is a great matchup uh, that I think the important thing to realize for the Cougars is this is not last year's Denton Ryan team. That was as, as talented a team as I'd seen the Cougars play. One of the most talented teams I had ever you know seen on the field live and in person. They are very good, but they are not last year. I think that uh, last week might've been a little bit of a trap game for the Cougars. But this week, they need to compartmentalize it. They need to be ready to play, not carry last week or last year into this game and play their best Cougar football 
and that gives them a great chance to win because I think that offensively there's not a team in the state that matches up what the Cougars can do. And then you're going against the best defense in the state in Denton Ryan. It's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, you know, just getting the chance to talk with Coach Huff this week, you know, he, he kind of alluded to like last year uh, that that was a game that, you know, they didn't really feel good about, obviously, one of the most lopsided losses that they've had in school history and kind of a measuring stick game, too, uh, as far as a program. And, you know, certainly a game that, that they've taken to heart, it seems, and one that they'll get a chance to redeem, you know. College Station really rolling through a lot of these games this year. But, you know, Abigail, I'll turn it to you. You were there last week in Corsicana. That was di- certainly the stiffest test that they've had to date against Frisco Wakeland, at, at least in terms of margin of victory. You know, what do what you think that Wakeland did well that really pushed the Cougars, uh, particularly on defense, uh, you know, scoring 35 points? Well, really, to be fair, it really wasn't their defense that was doing anything. It was their special teams unit that was really, uh, you know, pulling out some stops there. I mean, they, they get two touchdowns, um, you know, uh, t- two really good throws from their quarterback. But it was still 38 to 14 at that point, even with those two scores. Um, and then Wakeland started making that comeback in that late in that third quarter. You know, it was back and forth and back and forth, literally back and forth um, game. You know, they get that fumble recovery on the punt. Um, College Station dropped it uh, there, and then they score immediately after on a big, big, another big pass, 38 yards uh, to the end zone. And then um, they recover an onside kick, which College Station, I I don't know if they've ever, you know, had to battle with that this season just because they've had such big leads kind of going into these games and and things like that. But um, so it was really more the special teams unit that was able to fight back, you know, with the onside kick, fumble recovery and things like that. to, to get close, but still, I mean, the score is obviously a closer 10 point difference, but I think, you know, even with Constitution's defense and special teams units struggling there a little bit, their offense was at the top of their game. I mean, they, they weren't struggling at all. Marcus Collins gets four touchdowns. I mean, he's had, I think now 10 in the last two weeks. I mean, you just don't kind of get that kind of uh, product from, from most guys, but He's able to do it. So I think even though the, the margin of victory was pretty low, I mean, College Station not only started strong, they were able to finish strong and kind of pulled back Wakeland from, you know, trying to do anything else, even with that little struggle that they had there in that third quarter. John, you, you've been following along uh, throughout the season, going along with your dad, helping out with the radio broadcast, keeping stats, providing notes. You know, in the games that you've been able to see, you know, what, what's really stood out to you about the Cougars? I would say just the the completeness of College Station. I mean, Jet Huff is a quarterback that's thrown for 40 touchdown passes and has completed 76% of his passes on the season. But then also Marquise Collins just passed the 2,000-yard mark and has over 35 rushing touchdowns. And that's not to mention Nate Palmer – who we've seen explosion. We saw it with a 101-yard kick return where he hadn't returned kicks all year until the Wakeland game, and they just put him out there to keep Marquise fresh, and he has a 101-yard kick return. Also 700 yards on the ground and nine touchdowns. I mean, just the completeness of that offense is something we really haven't seen at College Station. Uh, usually they'll either go a little bit more pass heavy or like we saw in 2017 with Marquez Perez and Dede Anderson, they went a lot of run to set up the play action. But also the defense, like we've talked about, 
just really being stout all throughout the year and really for the first time being pushed in that Frisco Wakeland game where they kind of got hit in the mouth and still responded to force two turnovers on what would make on drives that'll make it one score games there early in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Scott, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but obviously this this Ryan team's a lot different from last year without the the Jatavian, without Jatavian Sanders, Billy Bowman. I mean, Bear Alexander, he transfers to another school in Fort Worth. Yet Ryan still found a way to maintain that top spot wire to wire this year. And, you know, talking to Coach Huff, there's just no drop off with this Ryan team necessarily and, and really having an experienced defense, you know, what do you what are you seeing from this Ryan team and, and what makes them still deservingly so of a number one spot? Well, I think that one of the things is they they kind of weathered the storm early on. That was a disappointing loss to Geyer. Then they play a defensive struggle against Lone Star to to win the the one seed and stay on the other side of the bracket from Highland Park, from College Station, uh, from you know the the teams that were on the bottom half of the bracket. So you know, they won that game seven to six. They forced a big turnover there in the fourth quarter uh, where Ryan is in a position where they're going to kick a field goal to take a nine, seven lead. If they don't score a touchdown, probably go for two, try to get that to a 14, seven ball game, uh, you know, but defensively they have stepped up. Anthony Hicks has been tremendous. He's a top linebacker in the state, probably the top guy in the country, uh, you know, that, but they spread it around. They have, they, you know, their defense even without Bear Alexander, even without Sanders on the front end and the pressure that they were able to put on teams last year, they're still really getting out of the, after the quarterback. I think they have like, you know, six guys that that have six or more sacks. So it's not like you can really focus on one. They're able to keep some guys fresh and really apply pressure. Offensively, you look at a team that's averaging about 150, 160 yards a game passing and 180 yards a game rushing, and you see that their strength is elsewhere. You know, whatever they can do against the College Station Cougar defense offensively will be a big surprise because I think that's like uh, what John alluded to. The Cougars' defense has been overshadowed by the offense, but really they have dominated all year long. And and like Abigail said, short fields because of turnovers really gave them, uh, gave Wakeland an opportunity and then, you know, you had a, a halfback pass and, uh, you know, some unconventional ways to score for them as well. So I think that, you know, the Cougar defense will be ready to show up this week. Special teams will be locked in. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, the Cougars, uh, you know, some people picked them going in the playoffs to be a team that could go win state because they didn't have a weakness in all three, in any of the three parts of the of the team. And I, I like I said earlier, I think that, Thanksgiving week where you don't have class, you get out of rhythm, you're you're playing uh, between Lone Star and you're playing Denton Ryan if you win. It was a good spot for Wakeland to play the Cougars in and the Cougars able to still take care of their business in a game that I really never thought they were going to lose. It's a tough game that they had to play, but I always thought they were in control and weren't going to lose. Well, Abigail, this is certainly the test of all tests and certainly one that College Station probably wants. What, what do you think is going to be the some of the keys to, to victory this weekend for them? Yeah, well, I think looking at the defense, obviously, they're just – I think that they're just going to continue to shine. I mean, we've seen the past few weeks them having, you know, lots of key moments, lots of turnovers in the right moment. 
um, lost yards with sacks. I mean, that, that defensive front of theirs is so physical and they get, they're so big. They get to you immediately. Um, and, and just the pressure that they're able to put on, if they're able to just keep that up with Denton Ryan, obviously we've seen, you know, like uh, Scott mentioned with even the games that, you know, with Guy or with Lone Star, um, there's another team that I can't think of right now or Longview, sorry. Um, those were tight games. Uh, so we know that obviously uh, Denton Ryan is beatable in that sense. And I think especially against this um, college station defense, if they're able to just continue doing what they have been doing with turnovers, having those really key moments that give them that momentum um, to keep going, I think we'll see great things from them. Um, offensively, I think it's really just about taking the opportunities. College station has been really good about that, especially with Marquise Collins. I mean, um, you get that guy on the roll and it's kind of really hard to stop him. Um, they had to punt one time against Wakeland, um, which is why they were 17, um, 17-7 at the half. Um, but other than that, I mean, they've, they've been pretty strong offseason about really taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think when we look back to those close games with Den Ryan, it ends up coming down to, you know, as it was four points or even a point against Lone Star um, when they won seven to six. So that'll be important as well. Uh, Special teams just needs to continue being a player. I know Coach Huff always talks about hunting is not always a bad thing. Um, and, and they've had to do it, but their special teams unit has come in, in clutch for them. I mean, you get that 101 kickoff return from, from Nate Palmer there. You get, you get a Dawson Shrimp who is just able to push back these teams even when they are punting. Um, and then Sam Trimble on the kickoffs. I mean, these teams are always starting at the time. You know, it's always a touchback, 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 after touchback. Um, so those will be important for them to kind of keep in mind this week. And then I think obviously, like Scott said earlier, just not letting the game get too big for them. They're playing at Baylor. It's a big stadium, college stadium, They're playing the number one, Den Ryan, who they lost to last year. I mean, a lot's on the line here. They're trying to move on. So I really think it's important that they don't make the game too big because um, to, to, we've seen what that can do to teams this year. Yeah, you know, that that was something I asked Coach Huff when I when I got to talk to him, you know, how 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 did your team handle this and is it good that that they've been in, you know, some of these higher profile games before cuz they have. And he was like, you know, you can't not be nervous for a game of this magnitude. And he's right. I mean, you're playing the number 1 team. There's always going to be some jitters, but at the same time he he kind of alluded to how they wanted this and um yeah, it's going to be a good one. John, we'll close with you. Uh, how, how can folks tune into the radio broadcast on Friday? Yeah, we'll be on uh, Maverick 100.9 FM, also on uh, that on RadioAggieland.com, and I believe we will be on uh, BrazosFootball.com as well for a live broadcast. Did, did, did he do well, Scott? Get it? <laughs> sure did. He's, there we go. He's, he's we becoming go. a pro, and, and that's a scary thing. But, no, it's a good job we've – We've had a great, uh, you know, great time with, with obviously Tim Schnettler uh, does a great job and in, in play by uh, play by play. And if, if I can get him to say touchdown Cougars four or five times, I feel really good about uh, Kyle Station coming on top and, and advancing to the semifinals again. All right. Well, we'll be there covering the game Friday night. So we'll see you. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Joining us now on the podcast is Douglas Pills. He's a good friend, mentor, uh, media fellow in in our world to me and Abigail. Uh, he 
He helps run student media, all things student media, the, the battalion, AM student newspaper, uh, AM's yearbook, and uh, has really done a great job training up some of the, the next up and coming journalists over at Texas AM. But he's here to talk Franklin football because he is a, well, you're a Wheelock resident, but kids go to Franklin High School uh, in Franklin ISD. Doug, how are we doing today? It's great to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, good being here with a couple of uh, former students who are doing great things with the Eagle. Uh, so, yeah, Franklin football, Franklin athletics is something I know a little bit about. Uh, we've lived there now for it's in our, in our fifth year. So those kids have been going to school there. And our oldest is a senior, um, senior on the team. So he's enjoying the ride, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's another week, another dominant victory for the Lions last week over Riesel. You know, you've been there every single week. In your opinion, how has Franklin been able to maintain its dominance week in and week out this season? I think it goes back to the day after the state final last year. I think every everybody that was on that team and in that stadium last year kind of resolved themselves to to work hard and, and to get better as the year has gone on. Um, all the times up, my, my oldest, he runs cross country and is a runner, so that's his main main sport. Uh, he's just also involved in football and band and basketball, a couple other things. So, but, but seeing the, so being there early to drop him off for cross country uh, during the summer and, and during the early part of the football season and seeing all the guys in the weight room at six o'clock in the morning. It's not just, it wasn't just the, run, the runners out there running. There was a lot of the fo- members of that football team that were there during the summer and uh, earlier, even now there, there's, there's guys that show up at six o'clock in the morning to work out and lift. So they are, they're hungry. Uh, they're, they're obviously stronger. Uh, many of them came back What they lost uh, Seth Spiller and just a class of seniors that included maybe five or six others, and everybody has come back. So, and they've come back stronger and better and faster. And and I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the result of that in terms of some of these big big scores, both both strong strong points in the offense and in the defense as well. I think defense gets lost a lot of times in, in how much how magical the offense looks. But uh, Riesel, the team that didn't score any points this past week was the last team to score more than two, one touchdown on them during, during regular season play. So, yeah, that, 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 to me, it go, comes back to the hard work that a lot of these guys have put forth uh, since that game last year. Yeah. Well, we know Franklin obviously has been dominating not only the, the regular season, but the playoffs as well. But, you know, once we get start getting deeper into this, obviously this is kind of where the rubber meets the road in a sense that Franklin's next – or would be, I guess, next if we assume that they advance, keep advancing, the next three opponents are pretty legit contenders um, when we look at it. So what do you think the key is for Franklin to keep things rolling here? And how important is it for, you know, them to, you know, all the coaches say, one take it one week at a time. How crucial do you think that is um, for them to take that to heart? You know, the, the, they've been hearing it these last three weeks, uh, that message of taking things one game at a time. And, and I think you see that in the scores. You see that in even the second unit not allowing Riesel to score this past week. Uh, that one game at a time mentality, you know, it's, it's cliche, obviously. But uh, I think the, the, the Lions have kind of taken that to heart. And, you know, you're right. Rubber, race, rubber meets the road this week because uh, this team they're playing uh, on paper is no joke. Uh, in terms of you look and they've got both has five shutouts. Uh, they've 
only allowed one more point than Franklin has allowed all year long. So the defense is legitimate. So this this will be the first true test. And I, I think, and I haven't seen a whole lot of the guys this week, but I've I've, <clears throat> I've been there each of the last three weeks. I've written game stories for the Franklin News Weekly uh, here in the playoffs. So been able to talk to some of the guys and coaches after the games. And, you know, I, that's been my question is, uh, how do you keep them motivated for this? And they said, well, they, they tell us to treat every game like it's a state championship. And, you know, that they say that. And then as a fan, as somebody watching the game is like, yeah, but are they really doing that? And you kind of see it. The scores have been kind of outlandish these first two games. And talking to them last week, you know, I think they knew whoever, the, 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 obviously after the game, they didn't know who the opponent was going to be. But they were talking the same way, that they were going to go and approach it with the same mentality. and. Uh, you know, whichever team shows up, shows up. And I think, you know, obviously this is going to be their first true test. I think this is the first, you know, they're treating it like this game could be our last game if we don't take care of business. And because it really truly could be finally here in the playoffs if, if they don't take care of business. Yeah, you know, I got, I got a chance to go out to Franklin yesterday and, you know, heard an assistant coach kind of chirping at him, you know, hey, what's going to happen if we're forced to punt early in the game? You know, what's going to happen when, you know, we're facing a third and long and kind of in some situations that maybe we haven't been in. And then, you know, talking to Coach Fannin afterward after practice, you know, he kind of mentioned how last year, you know, they made it to the state championship, but they went through quite a bit of adversity throughout the season where, you know, they lost their first two games. They had a game canceled to COVID. You know, they had to come back and win a couple of those games. And then, you know, they're in the playoffs. It, it, it was tough there three, four, three th- through round six. Um, hasn't necessarily been the case though this year, but, you know, I think like you said, I mean, it, it seems like they're really, they're really taking it to heart of, of wanting, wanting to make the game, the game right in front of them, the biggest one that they've got, because that's all they got. Um, you know, kind of looking at the game this week, uh, both, uh, definitely a really, really strong team has been for the last couple of years out of the San Antonio area, you know, Doug, you came from the San Antonio area, worked in at the express news for a number of years. You know, what do you, you, you kind of alluded to it already, but, but what do you know about Poth and just kind of the program that they have over there? Well, Poth is always really good in, in girls basketball and volleyball. I remember that from, from, a, from, a, from a lot of, of uh, uh, coverage there with the express news. Don't remember football being that strong, but obviously you look at the team this year, their only loss is to a Shiner team that's 13 and 0 and, and still going in the playoffs in, in division one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, they didn't beat Stockdale by as much as Franklin beat Stockdale, but I don't think that means Franklin's taking them any light lightly than, than even they did last week with Riesel. I, I think, you know, that obviously the getting back to the state championship is, is goal number one, but they don't get there. If they don't get past this week. Um, so in terms of what I've heard about Pope is just the, the defense is legitimate. Um, you know, the five, uh, looking at the Ross, looking at their schedule last night and seeing the five shutouts, Franklin only has two of those this year. So um, that's legitimate. The fact that Franklin's allowed 220 points this, or 120 points this year and Pope's only allowed 121. Uh, so stack those two defenses up against each other and they look pretty similar. So, yeah, that, that instance, you know, they punted looking at, it, at the stats that they punted once in the last 10 games, Franklin has. So, you know, like you said, yeah, what happens if we get the, if we have to punt in this game early? We could see that and how that defense responds, uh, you know, depending on what how, how the field gets flipped or whether it doesn't get flipped. If they end up giving post a short field for some reason, then, yeah, that's where you're going to see the test. And you've seen a couple of tests here and there. 
in the playoffs, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're fleet. <laughs> they, they weren't tested very long, uh, but a couple of instances where they get faced third and long and, and they executed. And, and I think they've got some situations that they can recall on and, and try to use those this week, whatever the situation may be. Now, Pills, obviously we've talked about your son being on the team this uh, season. We don't usually get a guest who also, you know, has a, a, has a kid on the team. So uh, we just kind of want to ask, how has it been, you know, seeing your son out there this year? And obviously it seems like Franklin's having a lot of fun this year and, and, and they're on to good things, it seems like. It is. You know, my son is Jensen Pills and he, he's a backup quick end to Hayden Helton, who's one of the probably one of the best receivers, certainly in this area and maybe even in the state. And whenever he catches it, it seems like he's pretty, getting pretty close to scoring a touchdown. So Jensen's had a lot of fun uh, backing him up. Obviously, Jensen would love to get a few more opportunities. But as Coach says, that, you know, it's a team that's built upon a, built, uh, built upon a bunch of guys who enjoy seeing everybody else have success. And, and that's truly, that's truly, truly what's happening. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be any jealousies. You know, if somebody scores a touchdown, everybody's excited about it. Uh, somebody makes a big play on defense. Everybody's hooting and hollering and, and cheering that guy on, whether it's somebody on the first unit or the second unit. So, yeah, it, it's really cool to see um, this, these guys. Obviously, I've been around them now for most of the five, last five years and, and seen them, seen them, watch them grow, and even the younger guys. I mean, you look at that defense, the defense is stacked with a bunch of younger guys who are going to be around here for the next couple of years. Uh, so, you know, this year may be the big offensive team from Franklin. You know, next year they're not going to slip too much. So they're going to lose, you know, 19 seniors on the team this year. Yeah. So they'll lose a lot. But, you know, next year's team is going to be pretty good too. And it could be the defense that's carrying them more so than maybe the offense next year. Well, Doug, that's all we got for you. Thanks for hopping on and giving us a little insight on the Franklin Lions. And uh, we'll see if they can keep things rolling. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm an unbiased reporter when I'm out there covering them, you know. <laughs> You guys have to stay unbiased. Um, no, I am biased. I said that wrong. I am a biased reporter. You do have to stay unbiased. So, you know, I'm writing for the for the weekly newspaper up in Franklin, so I can be biased. So, there you, you go. Do, you two do what you do and do what you've been taught to do. All right. Well, enjoy the ride. It, it, it'll be. It's it's been a good one for the Lions. We'll see if they can keep it going. That's funny. That's what we said to my son when, when the year started. I said, just enjoy the ride. So, that's good timing, now. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Abigail, let's let's wrap this thing up. Centerville and Burton, they're underdogs this week, looking to pull some upsets. Um, Centerville, they're facing Timpson. They've been rolling since week two, 11 straight wins. But the Tigers definitely facing their toughest test yet against the Timpson Bears on Friday at the Tomato Bowl. Okay. <laughs> Incredible name of a stadium down in Jacksonville. Uh Home of the jalapeno tree. A shout out to our friend Robert Cessna, who was on earlier. Uh, Timpson was challenged early last week against Beckville, tied 21 21 early in the third quarter, but they pulled away in the second half for a three touchdown win. Um, this is this is definitely going to be a big test for Centerville, but the Tigers might be up for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think all eyes. I- at least for Timson, will be on Paxton Hancock and Andrew Newman. I mean, that, that duo, um, and that's just two out of the guys that they have on the offense uh, kind of running things over there. Obviously, they're a big run offense. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 we're going to really see kind of um, if they really emerge here or, or if they're able – if maybe the test is too big for them um, this week. But we'll, we'll be able to see that. Um, obviously, 
Timson has been challenged already this playoffs and instead of kind of been rolling, they you know, beat Holland last week, 20 to zero, I believe was the final for that. Um, so I think they have a lot of confidence coming into it, but you can never, um, almost like college station didn't mind. You can never really, you can't overestimate even if the other team has had struggles throughout the season. So, um, and they can't do that against Timson either. So we'll be able to see um, kind of how that Hancock Newman duo is able to, to um, push Timson a little bit, hopefully get on the board. Um, pretty early there. Yeah, Timpson, they've got, just just looking up some of their stuff on this season, they've got a pretty good duo in Terry Bussey and Braden Courtney. Meanwhile, Burton, they're facing Falls City in the 2A Division II region final. Abigail, what what, what, what are we seeing from the Panthers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Burton has also been kind of rolling in the playoffs here. Obviously, they get they get that big win in the beginning. Um, who, you know, like we said, it was basically number one versus number one when you really look at it. Burton obviously lost those seven games, so their record doesn't really reflect. I think I, I don't know what their record is right now, but um, it's five and eight. Five and eight. I mean, at, at this point in the playoffs, to to have that record, obviously, they they won more than that. But it still, should be twelve and one. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, but yeah, you know, they're still rolling. We obviously knew they were strong, uh, defensively with the, with the Heinz brothers and, and things like that. Offense, they've really been clicking there with, um, uh, uh Ryan ruling, uh, their, their quarterback over there. So, um, you know, they got that convincing, you know, 30 point win over Granger last week. Uh, they're, they're really just kind of rolling here. Obviously now Ball cities is, is 12 and one. They've been, we know what, that they've been doing well. So. There's a lot of good matchups here in this round. Obviously, everybody at this point, um, it's pretty tough to beat. It's going to be a battle um, no matter what happens. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to see kind of what Burton, I, I believe Fall City is only like six-point favorites in this game. Um, so Burton has a chance. You know, we never know what they can do, um, especially considering what they've been able to do this season despite losing those seven games um, there towards the end. Fun note on Falls City. One, their mascot's the Beavers. That's a pretty cool okay. mascot name. But also, their one loss this year was a three-point defeat to the hands of Poth, who's facing Franklin early in the season in the Polish Bowl. Um, they, that's the name of that game. So, great, great mascot name, great rivalry game name. So, there you have it. You know Alex loves a good mascot. We, I do love a good mascot, and uh, I do love some fun nuggets. And, and there were there were a few. Um, you could call them beaver nuggets on that one. So, all right, that's enough for this. We'll wrap it up. Don't tell Travis I made that joke, or maybe do. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another uh, episode this week. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage of this week's games. And like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week on the Brazos Sports Preps Cast.